You like that coffee? Yeah, it's very nice. Oh, I'm glad. Why? Did you put some arsenic in it? I did. Well, welcome to the last episode of Basic Snitches. Cinnamon flavored arsenic. A couple things I thought of. First of all, I thought of pushing daisies. They put uh, almond flavored creamer in there. An almond is supposed to taste like a poison. I can't remember exactly what that poison is, but... So that's the first thing I thought of. And second of all, you putting cinnamon in coffee means that you're basically doing witchcraft. Well, I do what I can. Because I'm a witch, bitch. But cinnamon is like prosperity and stuff, I think, off the top of my head. I'm a little bit sleepy, thus the coffee. I'm still, like, taken aback that you tried to say that I'm not a witch. I've been to Hogwarts. I had a wand choose me. <laughs> I would like to see you pull up some tarot card spreads and tell me what they are. I'm not that kind of witch. Really, what kind of witch are you? Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Haven't you ever seen The Wizard of Oz? I have. We've <laughs> talked about why the fuck does... She asked that when she's like, only bad witches are ugly. Right, that was fucking rude. I was the more thinking, like, are you a swamp witch? Are you a sea witch? <laughs> I'm definitely a swamp witch. <laughs> Look at you. I mean. uh, so this is Basic Snitches. Hello. Today we are discussing chapter 24, Rita Scoop. Scoop. <laughs> Scoop? You like that word? I don't know. Scoop? The way Stephen was saying it earlier it sounded really cool. Wait, how was he saying it? I don't even know. I'm not Stephen. I'm not cool Scoop. enough. I'm at least a foot too short to be Stephen. Which do you prefer, scoop or egg? So those are <laughs> our magic words of these last Good episodes. gravy. Chapter 23, winner, loser. Uh, do, this, do we really need Is a discussion? Is it Hermione Ron? Hermione wins, Ron loses. Lovely. I guess there's you don't a, have to explain yourself. I mean, I guess that there's maybe like an argument for a few other winners or people that need to be like mm-hmm. given some props, mm-hmm. like the Patel twins and the bullshit they have to deal with. Yay them. Cho just looking hot as fuck. Mm-hmm. Victor. Victor for just being an actual good date. And again, probably Cedric for also actually being a good date. But Hermione is the one we hear the most about, so she gets the win and... Ron obviously gets the loss. Although, he can share it if you want with fucking Snape for being a D-bag. Yeah, that was very unnecessary. Both of them were unnecessary D-bags. Right, Snape's like, oh, I'm just gonna harass teenagers all night. You need to find a new hobby. Yeah, pick up some needlepoint or something. (laughs) Chapter 24, Adam wrote a thing. I wrote a thing. Tara ain't gonna read it. Nope. Because Tara doesn't know how to read. I I don't. If you recall, Rhino Jackson said that he was going to read all the chapters to Tara. Yeah. Uh, for Goblet of Fire, so that's what she's been doing since it's she... It's been wonderful. Thank you, Brian. Since she forgot how to read. So, said we're going to have Stephen Ostertag read the thing. Take it away, Stephen! Chapter 24, Rita Skeeter's Scoop. Christmas is over, and it's time for Harry to play with his egg. Harry is rather bad at playing with his egg, even though Cedric gave him a major tip. And if you recall, Cedric had good wand hygiene a few chapters ago. Harry's lost. Off to classes! Once they get to Care of Magical Creatures, they get a reprieve from Scroots because, strangely enough, Hagrid isn't there. Instead, it's the very boring sub-professor Grumbly Plank. She is named as such because that's what her body looks like. She brought a unicorn for all the girls to pet, and while they're distracted, Malfoy reveals what happened to Hagrid in quite a scathing article written by Rita Skeeter about his half-giant heritage, contributed to by Malfoy himself in deciding to speak for the entire class. Not sure how this article is news or anything, and I guess they don't have libel in the wizarding world. 
and while there is some truth to the article, it's very unnecessary. Anyways, it's time for Harry's first cloakless trip to Hogsmeade. Harry hopes he'll see Hagrid at the Three Broomsticks, since he's been ignoring his knocks at his cabin. Alas, instead, he sees a bunch of assholes. <laughs> first, Ludo Bagman, surrounded by his adoring fans, a horde of goblins. Bagman says that the goblins are interested in seeing Crouch, but Percy says Crouch is sick, and best to keep out of Rita Skeeter's earshot, because then she'll make some shit up about Crouch going missing, just like Bertha Jorkins. And then we have him get all creepy again, getting all up in Harry's business about his egg. After that, the bitch's ear must have been itching because in comes Rita, dressed as a banana and talking shit before Harry almost starts a bar fight with her, basically calling her a mangy twat for spreading lies about Hagrid. And then Hermione punches Rita in the face. Such a great moment. There are so many suspicious people in this chapter. On the way back to the castle, they try Hagrid's hut one more time, and finally the door opens to reveal Quinn Dumbledore, who is there to calm Hagrid's nerves, who is thinking of resigning. Dumbledore is like, the fuck you ain't! Everyone thinks I'm crazy, but I'm still here, and then leaves. Harry's like, yeah, what he said, and Hagrid tells the trio about his dad, and how Harry reminds him of himself when he came to Hogwarts. And now, Harry's school champion. This reminds Harry of the egg. Damn, why everyone be so worried about Harry's egg? Ready? That was a great Applaud. thing. Yes, that was a great thing that you wrote. I have to slap red. my thigh because I have coffee in one hand. With a cat on it. Oh, of course. It has a cat on it. I got it to tear its house. <laughs> oh, because you don't have cats at your house. I do, but you have... Do you care to tell everybody the <laughs> Christmas gift that you're rudely not wearing that Steve got you? Yeah, that I see balled up over there on the table? I <laughs> he got this wonderful scarf that's a cat throwing up a rainbow scarf. It's really cool. I'll post it on the Instagram eventually. My point is, you're the bitch that people get cat stuff for. Yeah. People buy me crystals. Actually, they don't, but I'm trying to put that out in the world. Yeah, for the Adam wants crystals. Yeah. But he's the one with all I'm the cats. I only have one cat. Uh, I'm the one with all the cat hair. She's with all, the one with all the cat shit. Yeah. Okay, so we open up with the egg. <clears throat> oh my gosh. The egg. Every time I say egg, I think of that video of a seal like blubbering and shit. And it says egg. You know what I'm talking about? No. Look it up. Okay. That's why I keep saying egg out of nowhere. But also, there's an egg, and Harry has it, and he's like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this right. thing. Right, he's like, oh, uh, suddenly, the 24th of February is soon, when before it wasn't, and it was only, like, a couple days earlier. Yeah, like, after Christmas, it seemed a lot closer. <clears throat> yeah. My whole thing here is, like, he is kind of being ornery with not wanting to follow Cedric's clue. Yeah, I think he is, too. I mean, I get it. I assume that this comes from the point of him not necessarily wanting to trust Cedric because of Cho. I don't think that he doesn't trust Cedric. Literally, I think it even says in here, he doesn't want to use Cedric's help because he's annoyed by the whole thing with Cho. There was also a little bit of like, oh, people will think that it's insane that I'm going into the bathroom with this egg. Right. And I'm like, how many people are going to be watching you take a bath? How many people usually watch you take a bath, Harry? we got to find out in a couple chapters. Well, yes, but Moaning Myrtle is in every bathroom, I assume. I assume. I mean, because this isn't her bathroom either. The well, she just does what the fuck she wants. She's like, ooh, I hear Harry Potter's naked. I'm going to go watch that again. 
of living people, his like peers and stuff, they're not watching him do this. So it was a little bit strange to me. I'm sure it really does rely on Cedric and Cho and all of that kind of stuff. And then we're in class. Class time. And they can't see out the windows in Herbology. And then they're like, I don't want to go to Care of Magical Creatures that's cold and shit. And they go and Hagrid ain't there. Hagrid is not there. There ain't even like Scroots to warm them up. Right? They were kind of looking forward to Scroots. Wow. For once they have a purpose. Life is just filled with disappointments. Nope. Instead we got Grubbly Plank. Professor Grubbly Plank. She has some unicorns for you to look at. But the boys are not allowed to touch them. Because unicorns only like girls. Which is weird. Unless they gay. Right? So Percy comes around, he's like, I'm still here. Percy and the unicorns are BFF. He jumps in that unicorn and he rides off into the distance looking for Crouch to make out with. And that's how this chapter ends. Talk about the movie. So, Professor Grubbly Plank. First of all, this is the first and only substitute teacher we've been introduced to. In the third book, Snape subs for Lupin. Yeah. Just like now, there are no subs out there. This poor grubbly plank is just like, I guess I have to do this. And she sticks around for a while. She's actually a good teacher. It sucks because, of course, Harry especially can't appreciate that because he's so loyal to Hagrid. And I feel bad because I kind of want grubbly plank to be someone that you're like rooting for. And actually grubbly plank is good. It's in the next book, I think. She comes back and she's just like, I ain't telling anyone anyone's business i'm here to do a fucking job so this is a good point because when i was reading this i was like wow she's so boring but if you rewind a couple episodes i was just talking about like hagrid why the fuck don't you have a curriculum because this is also comes up here the article that rita skeeter wrote about hagrid comes up here and of course that's why hagrid is not here but it's not entirely wrong it's written in a really shitty way you know he doesn't have a curriculum he's been looking at these screws this entire time grubbly plank comes in and very similarly to like what we talked about in defense against the dark arts i almost wonder if there is a curriculum now that is kind of followed and maybe now it's time to look at unicorns or something (laughs) i don't don't know we could go through this and look at it in the same way that we did of like curses being originally in book two so on and so forth well and what she doesn't do that snape does is come in and shit all over Hagrid's curriculum. Yeah. When Snape comes in to Lupin's class and is like, you guys are behind, you all fucking suck. Which, and I'm not defending the pink bitch, is in a way what Pink Ho comes and says in the next book. This is all over the fucking place. She's not wrong because they've had four fucking other teachers prior to her. She's not a real teacher anyway. But Snape is literally just like, I gotta come in here and shit all over Lupin, who's the first good professor they've had. She, Grubbly Plank, comes in and she's like, this is what we're doing today. She doesn't comment on Hagrid. She's not unprofessional. She's like, I'm here to do a job. They even I, ask about Hagrid and she's like, uh, none of biz. Yeah. She, she's, she's professional great. and everything. She's very professional. Yeah. And like after the lesson, I think one of the Patil girls <clears throat> actually, well, it would be Parvati. Parvati, yeah. She says something about like, wow, I hope she sticks around. And Harry's like, what about Hagrid? And she's like, he would still be gamekeeper. Right. Which is kind of a good point. I think the reason why I've changed my tune so much on Hagrid when I first read this, from Hagrid needs to like step his pussy up to being like, oh, poor Hagrid, is because of what happened in the last chapter too. Yeah. And like how he kind of got his heart broken. Of course, we talked about that where that conversation you feel for both Maxime and Hagrid 
But then you come into this chapter and Hagrid's not there. And so the very first thing I think about is like, wow, is he really that upset over this? Of course, that doesn't turn out to be what it is. So there's all these different things happening to Hagrid. And I'm like, well, even though he's a kind of not the best teacher, we do care about him. I really appreciate Hermione in this chapter being like, that really was a good lesson. Forget Ron, because his opinion right now especially does not matter. But Hermione is able to recognize that Hagrid is not a great teacher, but she cares about him. And then like Harry is fiercely loyal to Hagrid and he's like snapping at Pavardy. This whole chapter is literally Harry and Hermione just rocking it out for Hagrid. If Harry were thinking about his education, which we know he never does because he's an idiot, he also would recognize and actually acknowledge because I think he has recognized Hagrid is not a good teacher. Yeah. And recognize and accept and appreciate someone like Professor Grubbly Plank. It is a weird place because kind of nice to have mm. her there. But you do also feel for Hagrid just because we oh, love yeah. him. It almost would be better if he would just be like, I'll be gamekeeper. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, it, it's a weird kind of dissonance there because of everything that he's kind of going through. My you know headcanon I mean? is that Professor Grubbly Plank is like a retired sub. And so she doesn't want to stick around for very long. She's yeah, temporary. That's true. We bring her back in the next book because the professor who retires at the end of the second book, Kettleburn. We know that he retired. Dumbledore needed some. And he something. ain't got no legs left. Yeah, he doesn't have any limbs anyway. So it's fine. He's a potato. <laughs> He's a po- <gasps> oh my god, are you jealous of Kettleburn? I just thought of this. No, I'm not. You're like, oh my god, I want my limbs to be ripped off so I can be a potato person. Absolutely not. Would you like me to rip your limbs off? I wish you wouldn't. So yeah, I'm glad that you made that pitch for Grubbly Plank. But let's get down to like the reason why Hagrid isn't there, and it's Rita's article. <sighs> this fucking article. And like I already said, some of the points aren't necessarily wrong but i struggle with why is this written period because this isn't really news i think she's getting back at hagrid for not wanting to say rude things about harry That's which part of it. is just flat out unprofessional it's written in such a harsh tone and that is like i said in my thing i think it's a little bit libelous mm-hmm. it's really is just you kind of pecking at someone's character and It's also a little bit harsh against Dumbledore and Moody who are brought up in this too. Dumbledore, at least I see, like, why you have to bring him up. Why Moody? Why are you attacking Moody? Was there another article that you wrote about Moody, for example, like, that you're referring back to? And then what does Harry even have to do with it? Like, Harry's in this article too. Yeah. You know, we've talked about her being sloppy in the past. I think there is some of that here. This is definitely unethical. Like the way that it's written. Because we learn later she was the fucking beetle in the garden. Yeah. Was she there specifically to spy on Hagrid? Was she just an opportunist? Also thinking about that, she clearly was on the wrong bush because she could have been listening in on the two Death Eaters talking. Yeah, that's true too. And maybe she did hear that and she's not sharing that information. I don't know. She sucks. Well, (laughs) a couple things there. I think that, yeah, she was absolutely there. Yeah, and I don't think it was opportunistic. I think it was, like, planned out in this case. Because she's there right by them. Mm-hmm. Because she also missed an opportunity to imply anything about Maxime. Because, I'm sorry, the conversation that Maxime and Hagrid have, it pretty much spells out Maxime as well. Yeah. But she doesn't even say a word. Uh, yeah, that's who. I feel like she's so focused on Hagrid. Why else would she be there? They had a fucking school dance. There's no Dumbledore real story don't, don't there. Don't want that bitch there. Like, what are you going to talk about? 
Also, she's always talking about like what her readers will love. So to an extent, she's looking at where the news is, but here there isn't any news. Mm -hmm. And based on the things that she has written about in the past, which are newsworthy and potentially something that people would want to read, like this is gossip columnist bullshit. Oh yeah. You know? She's so inconsistent. So here, I don't even think it's like she's thinking about her listeners. I think it's her being vindictive. Mm -hmm. I agree. This is also where I feel like the character is just a little bit inconsistent because... I talked about previously about how, like, she was trying to paint Harry as, like, a bad boy now. She's trying to stay relevant and interesting, and she's not doing a good job of it. Not in this case. Like, this one is just completely a page out of a different book, if you will. It's beyond sloppy. I think that maybe she was written in this way to, like, move the story along to kind of really show her true colors. Because, like I said in the past, I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt in some cases, Or I was trying to look at her in a different way and I could see reasons of her like, okay, she's telling the truth here, even though it's not written in the best way. This is just completely out of left field. Yeah. I almost wondered if maybe Lucius Malfoy tipped her off or something. Because Malfoy is fucking Oh, I think Lucius did. I mean, I think that she's like buddy-buddy with the Malfoys in a way that Lucius would use her. I don't think that they're actually buddy-buddy. I think that she would think that they are and Lucius would use her. I think... Luscious boy toy. Both of them are in like this luscious boy toy, indeed. They're both this like motive of getting back at Hagrid. That's clearly one of the Malfoys' like big thing. Buckbeak was a thing and now Buckbeak's free and so they didn't get their revenge now. So here's another opportunity... It kind of aligns with what Rita's whole thing is, so fortunate. And Harry and Hermione are very protective of Hagrid through the whole thing. And they go try to talk to Hagrid. He's like, not answering, but... Fang is like, I'm here, though. Come in and pet me, bitch. like, I want a pet. And that's times for Hogsmeade. And this was kind of interesting because this is Harry's first time to go to Hogsmeade without his fucking cloak. Right? The last time... It was almost like a good opportunity for Harry to like stay back. But I feel like he was being urged to come to Hogsmeade almost. Mm -hmm. But in this case, Hermione is like, oh, I thought you would want more time with the egg. And he's like, I got the egg under control, which was the theme throughout this chapter. Which is him just lying about the Why did everybody keep talking about my egg? My egg's fine. I don't need to worry about my egg. (laughs) But everybody wants to talk about your egg. So he's like, no, I'll go to Hogsmeade under the pretense of hopefully seeing Hagrid, of course. Which I appreciate. Unfortunately, he sees a bunch of assholes. A bunch of assholes. On the way down, they see Crumb practicing. And I think it's really funny that Crumb is swimming in the frozen lake now. Obviously, because he fucking knows what's up. It's January. It's January, but he's from, like, Iceland. I don't fucking care where he's from. It's cold there. What? Maybe he got really tiny nipples. I don't know. Maybe he got, like, a nice heated Speedo. Maybe he's visiting you. He is visiting me. I know. Maybe they even mentioned me. They're like, oh, the squid's there. And Ron's like, I hope the squid gets him. I'm like, bitch, don't you tell me what you do. Right? I don't. Right now, I, friend. I do not want to bitch slap motherfucking crumb. Uh, Why don't you come over here and dip your toe up in here? You come You'll have here? a chance. <laughs> You'll have a chance. Uh, fucking uh, Harry won't even get a chance to rescue you because I'm going to take you out. I'm going to crush you with all my hands. <laughs> you fucking bitch. Go to Hogsmeade. So yeah, they go to Hogsmeade. They go to the three broomsticks. Oh yeah. And, and instead of seeing Hagrid. They see Ludo Bagman. And a bunch of grumlins. <laughs> Goblins. Whatever. So he has his like entourage there and Harry goes up to him and is like, hey, what the fuck is this? <laughs> 
And he's like, oh, oh, yes, my chance to help you again. And Harry's like, I don't need help with my fucking egg. <laughs> Stop asking me. Yeah, where's Crouch? And he's like, oh, Crouch is probably sick or something. All these goblins want to find him for some stupid reason. So they keep following me around. So the whole thing about the goblins trying to find Crouch, I'm trying to figure out why. Me too. I think maybe Bagman is not being truthful about that. Because you find out that the goblins totally want him because he owed them some monies. Why do they want Crouch? Well, then maybe that's what it is. He's just trying to throw off the scent. Right. I mean, because Luda Bagman is the best red herring of the fucking Mm -hmm. series. Well, and it kind of also ties into now that we are seeing Bagman more and more, he keeps wanting to help Harry. That's kind of through line for him. And then it's also the twins and the joke shop. I mean, Bagman's not a good guy, that's for sure, you know? Like, it makes me wonder, then, what are the twins constantly thinking? Like, sure, he has, like, connections at Zonko's, but... Oh, no, the twins are trying to get him to pay them back. From the bet? Yeah, because he paid them in leprechaun gold, and he owes them their life savings. Mm -hmm. So I think he probably owes the goblins money, too. Well, maybe that's what it is, then. He's just trying to, like, save face. Yeah. Maybe he needs Crouch to interpret for him. Who knows? Oh, well, yeah. This is the chapter where Harry's like, well, I know he speaks a lot of languages. Because he's been subjected to Percy talking about how great he is. Anytime Percy's around. Yeah. So there is some of that. There's making him even more suspicious than we already think he is. He brings up Bertha Jorkins again. And this is also a tie then into talking about Rita Skeeter, too. So it's like all these back characters that are all kind of like equally suspicious in weird ways. He's like, oh, we don't want her to find out about Crouch. Because then she might think that he went the way of Bertha Jorkins and has disappeared, you know? Would honestly be more useful information out in the papers. Yeah. Big time ministry official, what's going on with this guy? Instead of, oh, we got a giant teaching people about lobsters. Then we actually ran that bitch. Wow, she comes in. Like I said, she's just like a banana. She like click-clacking her nails together and talking shit. Oh, what I did want to say about uh, Luda Backman. He actually knows Percy's name. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but fucking Crouch doesn't. That's right. Well, they also just talked at the ball like the night before. That's almost. true. Yeah. And also, I think that Backman is the kind of guy, he would make a point to know your name. That's why he's a likable yeah, person. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Banana bitch is around. Well, she talking shit. She's like, that motherfucker is shisty and shifty. And he was like, oh, when you ain't. But Harry and Hermione are both just like, bitch, it's on. Yeah. It's so the good. The whole bar like gets quiet and people start going and being like, ooh, fight, fight, fight. <laughs> like those kids attacking that crazy bitch in the banana outfit. Yeah. And what does Rita do? She gets out her feather and Hermione's like, what you gonna write about me, bitch? It's golden. There ain't nothing about me that you can put in your fucking paper that is going to make your listeners care two shits about me. Even when she walks away, she's like, my parents don't read this thing. (laughs) My parents are busy being local dentists. What she got on me. So, bad bitch move again. (sighs) So good. And then they go back to visit Hagrid. And fucking Dumbledore is just handling it. I love them all. It's really just taking care of Hagrid. Hagrid is really worried about the perception now that people are going to have of him. But Dumbledore says it's a great lesson of like, you can't please everybody. While that's sort of true, and then Dumbledore does say like, I'm not going to let you resign. Like I won't accept your resignation. You gotta go back to work. (laughs) Get back to work, ho. (laughs) <laughs> Bring back those lobsters. Bring in the dancing lobsters. That's what he says. That's, yeah, he needs some dancing lobsters. Part of me here, I love this moment with Dumbledore, but it goes back to what we talked about previously and like, 
I'm not saying that you need to fire Hagrid, but, like, maybe we need to, like, take a look at the situation here. Mm-hmm. Rather than just kind of being complacent. Hagrid's not in the mood right. for that. Now right now is not the time for that, but it should happen. Hey, just stick around a little bit more. I expect you at breakfast the next morning. But maybe we need to talk about, like, the next steps here. Put this together the way it needs to be. I think what Dumbledore does is fine. I think that it was more important, though, to have the kids there. And I love that Dumbledore was expecting them to show up and be like, we love you, Hagrid. In this moment to cheer up Hagrid, it's wonderful to have them there. I do kind of also feel like Dumbledore could do a little bit more work with the Daily Prophet. And Dumbledore maybe, could do a little more work in a lot of places. In a lot of places. But since this is kind of the big PR thing with his school, maybe reaching out for another interview and being like, not Rita Skeeter, but someone else. Let me yeah, follow up like, on this. Do some damage control, Dumbledore. Yeah. You're literally the smartest fucking wizard out there. Like, let me give you some more context about Hagrid. And also, like, I hear you. So these are the steps that we're going to take. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, Dumbledore fucking mess. Yeah. You know if McGonagall were in charge, she'd be like, okay, we gotta handle this. This is how we're handling it. Yeah, it, it would be done in a better way. Like, it wouldn't just be like, okay, you're fired, Hagrid, but it would be in like, okay, let's take some steps towards corrective action. Exactly. And then really, the way this ends is that gives a little bit more information about his dad. Yes. It, it's obviously he didn't know this, but it's almost in a way that Hagrid knew that they were listening in, because it does bring in some information about his upbringing from the night before in a seamless way for the reader? I don't know. I think it's easy to maybe assume that. I mean, that's what the article's about. Like, the article doesn't really talk about Hagrid's dad. Now they know about Hagrid's mother, which is something that he would never talk about. I think that it was important for him to give them the rest of the information that's more important. It's more important for him to share about his dad with these kids versus what they've read about his mom being a giantess. He's like, but actually just kind I, of was, completing the I was raised by this loving man or whatever, because he does kind of repeat more information about his dad, which Harry and Ron also kind of already know yeah. because they were listening in. And then of course with Hagrid being like, Harry, I would like to see you win this thing. And that's the thing that finally makes Oh my Harry God, go, the end. I should probably do something. I really love Harry and Hagrid's relationship. They don't really have family. Hagrid doesn't have family either. Yeah, then that's what they focus on here. And I I just think that that's lovely. But I kind of get Harry being like, oh, everyone's always talking about how I need to work on this. As good as Hermione's intentions are trying to be on top of Harry because, you know, she cares about whether or not he fucking dies in a tournament. It's probably grating for him. Because, I mean, I'm the kind of person that if I have intentions of doing something and then someone tells me I should do that thing and I'm like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm annoyed. I'm nicer than Harry. Sometimes. Sometimes Harry's nicer than me, but (laughs) Harry and I are very similar. I think having someone who is coming at it from, like, an encouraging standpoint, Hagrid loves him so unconditionally. I don't think Hermione isn't being loving or or anything like that. That's just how she works. And she's like, I gotta stay on top of him because he's probably gonna fucking die if I don't. But that's not what Harry wants right now. This is somebody else that is kind of reminding him. Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe that's like the swift kick that he needs. Yeah. And it's in a different way. Yeah. So I guess next time we're going to get some more egg action. Yeah, there's an egg in this book. Egg. Egg. <laughs> Fuck, very kill. Egg, egg, and egg. Just kidding. So I'm kind of running out of people that keep kind of coming up in this situation. And again, there weren't a lot of other things things like they didn't all drink different drinks at the three broomsticks and stuff so what'd you come up with 
So we're going to do suspicious people. Ooh, okay. And so, like I said, some of these people have been used again. And I added in a fourth because it's someone who came up in this chapter. So it's going to be the Fuck, Mary Kill, Forget. Mm. Rita, Bagman, Crouch, and Bertha. Because we did have a Fuck, Mary Kill that included Bagman and Crouch already. Mm, okay. So I'm going to forget Bertha. Oh my god, she already being forgotten. Mm-hmm. No. No. You're changing your mind? Or are you Hold telling on. me that she has not been forgotten? No, I'm not going to forget her. I'm going to forget Crouch Yeah, right that's now. what I, that's my answer too. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to forget Crouch and I'm going to kill Rita. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fuck Bagman and I'm going to marry Bertha. You have the same answers as me. Really? Yeah, because like Crouch, uh, but he's not that exciting. But you going to be fun. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. <laughs> like, within this chapter, I've already probably said it several times in this episode, I've been trying to give Rita the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. but you can't do that anymore. She has shown her true colors, truly, in this chapter. Both in the book and then in her shit-talking at the, at the bar. And then yeah. the moment somebody tries to come at her, she's like, well, I got my quill, I'm gonna say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. It's not cool, so you can go die. Crouch is just, as usual, not very exciting to me, so I can forget about him. And yeah, like Bertha, I think, the way that she has been written about in this, she seems a little bit dumb, but she also seems kind of cool. So she's more of the marryable one to me. Yeah, I mean- And I don't want to marry Bagman. I think that I flip Bertha and Bagman if necessary, but I I think I'd rather marry Bertha. I don't think it's necessary because these are um, fictional characters. Yes, but but also um, that would be a good time. I don't want to marry Bagman. He would be too annoying. He would But I mean, I don't know. Bertha might be annoying too. Not as annoying as Bagman, I don't think. Bagman got some issues too. He got he some money really problems. Does. He got these goblins. Right. I just gotta, I want a one night stay in that shit and get away from it. That's right. <laughs> I'll let you touch it, then get away. <laughs> Bye. Let's talk about this movie. There's not much. There's literally nothing. Like, sometimes we get a little bit of a shred in the movie, but I don't think that there is a single moment. No. Uh, this is a stretch, and we've already talked about it, but, like, there is that moment of <laughs> Crumb on the beach, running away from ladies. Yeah. But this is him, like, diving into the lake, practicing yeah. the second task. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Overall, does this need to be in the movie? It really doesn't. It doesn't because they've chosen to keep that plot out of it. Like, I could spend 20 minutes to you listing all the big things in this book that are cut that are actually important down the road, but you already know them, so it's fine. And, like, Bagman isn't in the movie. Bagman isn't in the fucking movie, which I'm still mad about. So that's not necessary. And then the whole kind of transition, like I said, of you thinking that Hagrid is taking the day off because of what happened with Madame Maxime. Him and Maxime are good. They didn't have that conversation. No, we got to see him uh, getting some nice grab ass going on in the movie. That's right. He got what he came for. And then she's like, no, how right now? Not right now. Later. We won't even go into that rose garden. We're just going to go back up (laughs) into the carriage. And you can pretty disappointing. butter croissant. <laughs> pretty disappointing the fact that none of this is in the movie. But the way the movie has been built, there's no room for any of it anyway. Yeah, I think this chapter overall, it does bring up a lot more of the mystery elements and give a little bit of insight to some of those things. Don't forget about Bertha Jorkins. There's something weird about Crouch. There's something weird about Bagman. Wait, Skeeter's a cunt, bitch. You are correct. I hate her. And like, honestly, even in the movie, Rita Skeeter is nothing more than 
a nuisance. Either. Right? She's like, barely in the movie. Like, you can tell there's something kind of, like, tricky about her, but it's not anywhere to the level that in the book at this moment. You know, if they would have continued her arc that they wait do in the book, sure, but... Honestly, this is one of those chapters where I think it's okay that it's not included. Yeah, because of the way the movie is being built, I agree. Yeah. I honestly think that this book could be three movies and still be missing a huge chunk of the book. Yeah, I can kind of see that. All right, so here's the points. Even though I went back and forth with Hagrid between, you know... He shouldn't really be a teacher because he doesn't have a curriculum and he's been just looking after these scroots the entire time. And then, but we care for him. I'm giving Hagrid 25 points because this is really his chapter. Mm-hmm. I'm also giving 15 to Dumbledore. I think Dumbledore can go further and like try to, you know, remedy the situation more. But he's there for Hagrid. You know, he's being a good, good bitch. Plus 10 to Hermione for standing up against Rita. Hermione just overall, as usual in this book, she's kind of like a great support. Also, we didn't really talk about it, but Ron and Hermione, they have just kind of agreed to disagree. And I think a lot of that more falls on Hermione because Hermione's the one who should be offended. Mm -hmm. And with Ron, it's kind of the same situation that he and Harry had where like, Ron needs to, like, step on some eggshells for a little bit. Yeah, I agree. So plus 10 to Hermione. Negative 5 to Crab, because Crab was referenced in the article. Is he a liar? Yeah, but also to negative 10 to Draco, because obviously they had some shysty stuff happen with reaching out to Rita. Negative 10 to Bagman, because he's being weird. And then negative 20 to Rita, for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. So this one was definitely a lot more streamlined than the last chapter, for sure. You didn't give Harry any points, just Hermione? Nah. Okay. Just Hermione. I mean, Harry's going to get points in other ways. Right, you're like, eh, I'm not giving I mean, at this point, after 50 in the last chapter, Hermione is, like, top tier. I I think she's winning right now. probably should win always anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah, that was a much shorter much discussion shorter. than the last chapter. We're only at 40 minutes. Which we knew was going to happen, and yeah. that's totally fine. Next chapter we're going to do is chapter 25, The Egg and the Eye. Egg! egg. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Aloha, Mora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.